Good morning, Wisconsin. It's WTMJ Now. News, opinions, Wisconsin. Everything you need to know in the Badger State and beyond. Come give us your thoughts on the old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now here's your host, Sandy Max and Steve Scafidi. And welcome to the Friday show, the political power hour is what we call it. Sandy Max, Steve Scafidi here, and our guest in studio at our gorgeous avenue, the avenue. We got those mics on. Everybody's mics on. All of us. Yes. Are we all good? Joe, you got your mic on? Back in the saddle. Say hi, Joe. Good morning. There we go. I needed to hear your voice. I just wanted to keep you keep you on edge. <laughs> I was looking like where, I don't see his lights, but he's looking good for game day for Whitnall. Yeah, right? no big, backwards. Big hat. game tonight. Yeah. yeah. Well, I got a haircut yesterday. <laughs> yeah, looking sharp. We're gonna show it off for good one news. day. At least. Good news is you have less hair to cut now. Hey, hey. couldn't get a haircut, <laughs> which I know a lot of got them all cut. <laughs> hey, all right. Usually on Fridays the kids wear the jerseys. Where's yours, Coach? <laughs> are you a favorite this year, or, or where are you in the mix? Uh, you know who can say? I, who I haven't can seen, say? I haven't seen as much coverage <laughs> of uh, football conferences as I used to. That's one of the impacts of declining newsrooms. Mm-hmm. Our kids are going to play hard. I was telling Santa that the other day. We should cover more high school football on the show. Yeah, <laughs> and, and game of the, do the game of the week and hockey. Yeah, that yeah. would be good for you, Bill. Right, that'd be good. But both of you would have to come back. Well, yeah. we could do that. <laughs> yes. All right. So a lot of big news this week. And let's start with what happened Monday. I was off Monday, but I still paid a lot of attention to the news. Stay up late, even though you had to work I, Tuesday I, morning? No, I didn't work. I was off Tuesday, too. Oh. Yeah. I'm must, going. To, must be nice. Like a lot of other hosts in the market, I'm taking a few days off on a rather frequent basis. <laughs> <laughs> Inside joke. All right. So, gentlemen, Monday, Fulton County, Georgia, we hear a case that I think a lot of people have already heard every detail of, but... In exquisite detail, because I read the 98-page reports or the indictment on Tuesday morning, um, we'll get both of your takes. I've got some kind of extra questions about what all this means, including some Wisconsin connections to that. But we'll start with you, Joe. You're not of that party. You're not necessarily a fan of Donald Trump, which is not something unique to Democrats. Um, where do you think this story fits in the indictment drama, indictments drama? This one feels different, not for any of the legal reasons, but because of the way that the federal court system is run versus this particular county in terms of access to the courtroom, even in the initial hours, right? A little bit more transparency, cameras were allowed in. And even though the, the, the moving pictures and sound on Monday night were literally just a clerk walking up to the bench in the courtroom and handing the judge a document and him literally like looking at it and then signing it and handing it back. And that was the entirety of the court proceeding. Other than the clerk posting it two hours earlier. Yeah. Right. <laughs> that, le- that level of transparency and the fact that there will be, you know, cameras in the courtroom, if this remains in state court, um, it just makes it feel different. I think it makes some of the political impacts different, but it doesn't change what we've been saying or what I've been saying all along, which is, you know, Donald Trump has a lot of rights as a accused criminal defendant included among those is he is presumed innocent until proven guilty. The legal system is going to have its way and the politics will get to, but felt a little different. Bill McCoshin, you're the Republican strategist in the room. What did, what did you take away from Monday's indictment? Well, here's what I would say about Monday. It was Monday. 
right? So I don't think it changes anything as it relates to Donald Trump. His supporters are unmoved by these indictments. I don't know that any of your listeners could distinguish between indictment number one and indictment four or which state they occurred in. It's all noise at this point in time. So uh, I thought that these might be more serious charges, and they may prove to be. We'll, we'll the RICO s- aspect seems yeah, different, too. we'll see. Um, but it doesn't really change the the GOP primary process uh, or the you know the standing right now. Donald Trump's numbers are as good as they always were. With Republicans. With Republicans. But it does impact, I would argue, in the general election. If he gets through the primary, these are going to be very hard things for independents in particular to overcome. You know, it's it's a two bad choices right now. AP uh, had a poll out this week. 64% of voters uh, will definitely or probably not vote for Donald Trump. 64%. 53% of those will definitely not vote for him. So that means his math is under 50 already. For Biden, it was 53% will probably or definitely not vote for him. So America's saying, please give us somebody else. But our parties are saying, no, these are your guys. So what does that say about the parties? And the people who support these two individuals. Well, I think there's some advice in here for the other candidates on the debate stage in Milwaukee next Wednesday night. Speak to a broader audience. Stop trying to just knock on Donald Trump or knock on the person who's in second or third place and give some people hope. Get, have a positive agenda. I would say of all of the GOP candidates today, the one who is starting to figure this out is Vivek Ramaswamy. I'll give you an example. So I've said on this air, I voted for Donald Trump twice. I'm not voting for him in 2024. He's not my guy. My wife, on the other hand, was a hardcore Trumper. She is now fully committed to Vivek. She thinks he's the guy with the right message for the future. He's the younger sort of new style Republican that we've been looking for that can bring younger voters our way, that can bring suburban moms our way. I'm not for him yet. So don't take that the wrong way. But I'm saying... Those from the Trump world that have already left him are not coming back. But those who are committed to him are not moving. The conversation you just had, I had this in a restaurant yesterday. Two-time Trump supporters said the exact same thing. So I'm trying to tell my Republican friends, he can win the nomination. Yeah, I'm not arguing that. He will not win the presidential election. What are we doing here? That's my question. How do we change that dynamic? Because there's a serious opportunity I'm getting fired up about this because I am fired up about it. For, for Republicans to win the presidential election no question. if it's not Donald Trump. I agree. So how do you get that across to these voters who are just so stubborn and insistent that he's the guy? But what's the difference if they're stubborn? Because with all due respect to Mr. Ramaswamy, what we know is that next Wednesday's debate is going to be all about Trump. We know that. I don't, I don't know that that's on. true. We, we know that with a 40 to 50 point lead in the Republican primary, this primary is going to be all about Trump. We know it's going to be another colossal media event when he goes and surrenders to Fulton County authorities. And these are 91 felony counts. Okay, And what does Mr. Ramaswamy do? He runs out and says, I will pardon Donald Trump if he is convicted of any federal offense. He's walking into the trap of this is not about can Donald Trump win the nomination and the general election. We got to stop this nonsense. It's got to be about. Should he be allowed anywhere near the seat of power ever again after trying to overthrow a presidential election that was free, fair, safe, and secure? And the answer is, of course not. 
And a few more of these Republican candidates, like Mr. Pence, are being more assertive in saying that. But the the whole of the Republican Party, the best they can make is a political argument, not the fact that he should not be president. We've warmed it up. We're just getting started. Political Power Hour, Joseph Pecky, Bill McCosh, and Sandy Max, Steve Scafidi, on this Friday, right here on WTMJ Now. Welcome to Political Power Hour, Joseph Pecky, Democratic Strategist, Bill McCoshin on the Republican side of things, Sandy and Steve on this Friday. Thanks for taking the time to tune in. I, I say over and over again, this is one of the most important hours in Milwaukee, let's just say Wisconsin radio, because we are looking at the impacts, the imports of politics in our lives in a lot of different ways, at a lot of different levels, federal, of course, state, and even sometimes local. Gentlemen, there's some Wisconsin connections into this indictment in Georgia, and I got beat up miserably uh, late afternoon yesterday by saying, I believe that the fake electors, and I call them fake, not alternate, should be criminally charged. And I know in some states they're doing that. In Wisconsin, there's a lot of pushback saying, no, no, they were just doing what you're supposed to do. I'm going to start with you, Joe. Were they doing what they were supposed to be doing? I have some serious questions that I have not gotten satisfactory answers to. Like, I, I will say... What seems clear from the the special counsel's January 6th indictment of Mr. Trump is that in some states, former President Trump and his co-conspirators said to these slates of fake electors, we will add language that this is these are only to be used in the event of a, a court case that changes the outcome of a state, even though they had no intention of living up to that, right? So like... The conspirators, the unindicted co-conspirators in President Trump were apparently lying to the fake electors. And in other states, they were literally caught saying, dead to rights, don't tell the other states that we're giving this carve out because then everybody's going to want it and that'll make the plan weaker. Now, I don't think politically that makes much of a difference, but in a court of law, it certainly strikes me as the kind of thing that could. But I, I have more questions than answers. I hope that someone is investigating. I think it is appropriate that what Attorney General Josh Call has said is the State Department of Justice does not confirm or deny the existence of any ongoing criminal investigations. That's what he is supposed to say and should be saying. But things like kind of the cloak and dagger of getting the room in the Capitol, who you know, who ordered the code red, was Attorney <laughs> Cheese Conversations like, with yeah, attorneys like, and Giuliani on the phone during that process? Yeah, like there's more questions here. And, you know, that's one of the things about our system of justice is un unless there are charges or indictments, we might not know all of those answers. I'm certainly curious about it, but I, I can understand and make the argument for why there has not been an indictment yet. Let me put it this way, Bill. It feels dirty, but is it? So I happen to know at least seven of these reasonably well through my political career. And, and uh, I think they're good people. I, you know, the question really is they're relying on legal advice, right? That they were an alternative slate electors if certain things happen, right? Trump is using that same argument, at least in some of these indictments. And that's going to have to play itself out in the courts. I'm not sure that's a, a valid legal defense. I don't think it is of them. We'll see. But but I think uh, these people, you know, some of them are are grassroots activists that have been involved in Republican politics for for decades. And they're just really good people. Uh, so they got swept into this. Well, I think the, they yeah, did. Let me make one legal point. Right. So like so if you are the president of the United States and you have a room full of lawyers and you are getting conflicting legal advice and time after time you are going with the lawyer who says, 
oh, no, we can change the results of the election. That's less defensible in a court of law than a grassroots activist who you know makes seventy, eighty thousand dollars a year and doesn't have a bevy of lawyers and or their own lawyer, right? So when the president's lawyer that he picked out of the right. lineup says they're relying you could do this, on they don't have their own counsel to go and talk an expert. To. They didn't have their own attorneys, and you know, you, I don't know how this will play out. Uh, you know, I, I, thankfully, I am consistent on this program, and I have said this, the presidential election of 2020 ended on December 14th. That was it, and the fact that Trump kept pushing after that. I think it was a gigantic mistake for him, and he put a lot of people in harm's way doing that. How does this all shape? How does this all shape what's going to happen next week in Milwaukee? Oh, I just I, I don't see any scenario where there's not a big chunk of the debate that is literally about you know the Trump indictments. And, you know, I'm sure that I don't our, think Fox wants to do that. Though. They don't want to, but they have to. I mean, McCollum and Bear, the, the co-moderators are saying, like, they're going to have to address the elephant in the room. You know, party logo puns <laughs> may be intended. Um, they just they can't not. So it's a question of do they right out of the gate try to dispense with it and ask the questions like, you know, Mr. Ramaswamy, you've promised to pardon Donald Trump if uh, if elected the other six candidates on the stage. How will you uh, treat the former president if before you take the oath of office he is uh, convicted of a federal criminal charge? They, they have to do some of that stuff. And listen, half of them are going to take the opportunity to pound him and say, we got to move on as a party. Oh, Chris Christie's Chris surely right. going to take yeah, it back. Mike Pence will, too. And the other half are going to say, Hunter Biden, Hunter Biden, right? So, like, they have, but they have to do it. All right, Bill, we're Republicans. Uh, is it Chris Christie? Is it uh, Ron DeSantis? Is it uh, Nick? Who, who is, who's going to emerge from this So I think group? DeSantis has the most to lose on Wednesday night. Because I think he's his, lost already. His poll numbers, and, and you and I somewhat disagree on that. His poll numbers are down 20 points over the last four months, right? So clearly they made some strategic errors. There's no doubt about that. But his campaign could be over on Wednesday night if he slips up, right? Because the money will dry up. The grassroots support will dry up, and whether he still has money in the never back down pack or not won't matter. Frankly, his his campaign is riding on Wednesday night, so he does have an opportunity to reestablish himself as an alternative. Uh, but but he hasn't been really successful at that in the first part of his campaign. I would argue his last six or seven weeks have been really good, where he's been on the air, fighting for his agenda, defining his positions, contrasting himself. With Donald Trump, I think the last six weeks have been really, really good. But that was after a 20 point drop in the polls. Right. So Wednesday night, DeSantis has the most to lose of all of them. And Bill, with your experience, if you had a candidate that's going to be on stage on the debate on Wednesday, would you be advising that candidate to distance themselves from Donald Trump or continue kind of on that Vivek route of I'm going to be behind him? He's the guy. If, if he is, you know, if, if he becomes the guy, what, what would your advice be? It's a fine line in today's GOP politics, Sandy. But I would say be your own person on uh, Wednesday night. Be future looking. Have a positive forward thinking agenda. Elections are about the future, not about the past. I would I would minimize even if Brett Baer and Martha McCallan ask questions about Trump. I'd give 10 seconds on that subject and then the other 50 seconds on what I want to talk about. He is Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, Sandy and Steve, political power hour after the break. Will he show up? And what does Joe Biden think about all this stuff? Matter of fact, what does Hunter Biden think about all this stuff? We'll get to that and more after this on WTMJ.
Political Power Hour with Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky, Steve and Sandy on this Friday. All right, Sandy. I say this is why we have the two of you here because of the strategy. So I brought up as we're discussing who's going to be on the stage in the debate next Wednesday for the Republican presidential candidacy. Hey, guys, New York Times is saying that there's a DeSantis campaign or debate memo that is instructing Hammer Vivek and defend Trump. And the two of you are like, oh, there's an old strategy. So explain what, uh, why we are even hearing about this debate memo in the DeSantis campaign. Well, I think we're both chuckling because we've both written memos like that. What's a little bit different this time is that it's not the DeSantis campaign that is writing this memo. It is the DeSantis super PAC. I will give uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis credit on this front. He is um, embarking on new, like new pioneers, new frontiers in uh, coordination legally with a super PAC. They're like, you know, he only goes to events that the super PAC puts on. The super PAC is writing memos and doing research on candidates and then trying to very discreetly make them publicly available so that it's a legal transfer of all that work. Hmm. And in this case, the you know the fourth estate got their hands on it. I just I'm also chuckling because I, man, I hope that they didn't pay through the nose for that consultant who came up with defend Trump. I I'm sorry. I thought you wanted to beat Trump, and it it just it I I, I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. Why would you defend the guy who's forty points ahead of you? It 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 just doesn't make sense. Uh, you know. So, but some consultant got paid. A pretty penny to it, to write that memo, and, and maybe here's the, here's the news I'll I'll break. So this is Tim Miller, who was part of the Bulwark, you know, that's the old Sykes outfit. He reported about ten days ago that at the Iowa State Fair, he was talking to DeSantis operatives, and or maybe they were Super PAC operatives, and he was just like, okay, like what's the, what's the theory of the case? Like you're going in the wrong direction. Like what what are we doing here? And what they said was, he doesn't have to win. He just has to get seconds and thirds and rack up some delegates and be, you know, the person with the second or third, you know, second most number of delegates when Trump goes down oh. because of the legal stuff. Hmm. And Miller was sort of, he was like, wait, like a vote hasn't been cast yet and you're running for second place. Like right. that's the theory of the case. Like, are we like, are we off the record or can I tell people this? they're like, oh, no, no, you can, you can tell people that. I, it's I, don't bananas. Think he, I don't think he's been well served. I mean, and the, the, here's the dirty little secret in politics. Joe knows this. If this goes down for DeSantis, all of those consultants who've made tens of millions of dollars off of him and his campaign will blame him. And then they'll live right? to fight they another day. Four years from now, they'll have I mean, a, a, the next Tim best Michaels lived through this year in 2022. You know, the, the same consultants who, who spent 15 million of his money blamed him. Right. So ultimately, the candidate's got to be able to make the right decision. All right. I don't want to talk about that anymore. Let's talk about Joe Biden's handling of the economy, because I think that's in dispute. And I think there's an argument to be made here that, you know, uh, the perception is in dispute. The no, facts are. mortgage rates as high as they've been in what? Twenty five years. Twenty two years. Twenty two yeah, years. Two thousand one. There's, there's some no recession. GDP growth forecast by the Atlanta okay. Fed. Six save, save your powder. Yeah. Let's get to the break. Joe, Joe, Bill, Sandy, Steve, uh, WTMJ now. You are listening to the Political Power Hour, available wherever you get podcasts. <laughs> it's inside it's joke. Yes, there. And we always have fun during the breaks. But All you right. can definitely get the podcast at WTMJ.com. Thank you for that clarification. For sure. uh, yes, absolutely. And the Political Power Hour is separate 
if you just want to hear that, because these guys are brilliant uh, every week, every Friday. So that's there for you as well. Um, Where can Republicans get the Bill McCashin voodoo dolls? <laughs> <laughs> or the Joseph Pecky. What a great merchandising opportunity. That's grim. I'll move it up, pro- um, throw it up the ladder. Kick that upstairs. Yeah, yeah. Kick that upstairs. All right, gentlemen. So depending on who you talk to, Bidenomics... Brilliance or Bill? I'm starting with Bill. Well, let, let's. Oh, let, you don't want me to start oh, with Bill? Are you are you sensitive on this one? He is a little sensitive. Yeah. I'm going to try to be very fair. Forget, we'll talk about the Bidenomics branding of it. Like that's a political ploy. But the reality is, based on all of the data released, the U.S. economy is doing better than expected. Wall Street Journal, the Atlanta Fed, uh, Moody's, all all of these folks are revising their GDP. That's gross domestic product estimates upwards by varying amounts, right? We know that unemployment is down. We know that wages are up. Like the stock market is doing fine. Like these are facts. Not this so week. before we talk about the, you know, the political impact of it, let's just be candid about the fact that the US economy is in better shape than people thought it would be a year ago. Not measured by mortgage rates, not measured by declining or declining credit rating of the country. I mean, but like you're just picking certain things. So the the mortgage stuff has to do with the Fed policies that have jacked up interest rates. Mm-hmm. That was part of the mix of macroeconomic policy and then in terms of the the credit down rating, that was a single agency and what they pointed to in their rationale was less in term, less economic indicators and more political instability, including things like January sixth. They were making, they were saying America isn't as good of a bet as it used to be, not because of economic fundamentals, but because of political paralysis. Maybe Taylor Swift saved us from a recession, or Beyonce, wow. or Pink, or any of these summer tours, <laughs> or Barbie, or, or Barbie, yeah, yeah, Bar- yeah. Our Barbenheimer, <laughs> Barbenheimer. Who says we've missed a recession? I'm, I'm not so sure about that. So. You can't separate the politics of this. I mean, sure you can. He, I just did. Here's the deal. <laughs> Moody's Analytics put out a release this week that said the average American is spending $709 per month more than they did when Donald Trump was president of the United States. $709 per month. Do the math on that. That's over $8,000 a year for the same goods and services. We're not talking about extraordinary or extravagant spending mortgage prices or rates are the highest they've been in 22 years gas prices are nearing four dollars a gallon again so whatever joe said and i'll even stipulate i'll give him those facts voters don't see it they don't feel it and they don't buy it why do i say that two-thirds of americans today say that the country's heading in the wrong direction two-thirds uh, 60% of Americans say that Joe Biden has failed on the economy. More than 70% of Americans say he's failed on inflation. So Joe can have all the stats. And again, I'll, I'll give him those stats. They simply don't, don't matter to voters. They're not connecting with them. It's not what they see. It's not what they feel. And frankly, that's the biggest lane Republicans should be driving through right now if they want to win in 2024. Start talking about the economy and stop talking about nonsense. I think that's right. I think that's right. You, ha- you have to make it political because we're, we're someone's running well, for president. Republicans have to make it political. I was going to But agree. I think that's right. I think he's right. It, it does impact every household every day. It, yes. And Bill is right. That the facts don't matter. There is a perception gap among the American people Huge. that is short of where those statistics I rattled off are. I'll stipulate to that. What I will say is 
I think politically that is the opportunity for Joe Biden and why I am less freaked out by the 53% in that AP NORC poll right. than Republicans are by the 64% who are never going to vote for Donald Trump. The 53% of Americans right now who say we're not going to vote for Joe Biden next November, I think there's an opportunity to peel them off because there is a story to tell about the work that this administration has done when it comes to reshoring American manufacturing, going toe-to-toe with China and Asia in terms of mass-producing the, these chips that go into everything we buy these days, a bipartisan infrastructure law, shovels in the ground, rebuilding American infrastructure. Biden has a story to tell on this. I'm not sure that, that Trump, the time, likeliest nominee. Yeah, and he's got it, right? We still have 14 months. And Biden and Kamala Harris have just been in Wisconsin and in our area in the past two weeks. I, I told so them six or seven more trips, and Bidenomics <laughs> is going to catch on, and we'll be cooking but with gas. I'd love to see know. him in Wausau. <laughs> Good luck. That they know that this is the message, and that there is this huge perception gap, that this is the issue that is going to move the needle, and that they need to get out and communicate it. I'm just not sure, Sandy, they're the messengers who can be believed on that. Right. I think they've missed that opportunity. He's Bill McCosh and Joseph Pecky. Political Power Hour. We'll wrap it up with the grab bag. Who knows what these guys are going to talk about? We'll find out after this on WTMJ Now. Uh, we've come to the portion of the Political Power Hour where we hear what the gentlemen have come up with on their own. What are they thinking about? What makes their day or their week or their month or their year? Whatever. Joseph Pecky, grab bag time. You're up. I'm thinking about week one of the high school football season. I'm thinking about all of the young uh, men and women and students who will be starting their high school careers this fall uh, or continuing them. All of the coaches and parents and educators who combine to make uh, athletics such an important part of young people's lives. It's 25 years ago this fall that uh, I was part of a team that won the first football conference championship in school history. Dang. Seminal, you know, achievements, something I'm really proud of to this day and to 25 years later, have the opportunity to work with young people at that school, which is Whitnall High School, where I went. Uh, it, it means a lot, and it's a tremendous privilege, and I, I'm grateful for it and grateful for the people who allow me to do it. Can you take a picture of you with the statue somewhere on the grounds? Sure. Yeah. There's, my picture's hanging. The, the oh, whole we got to have that for the, the show. Uh, yeah, let's do That's a great thing. You didn't do anything with my state fair picture. I told you that when I was less than a year old, my first state fair picture. <laughs> that was trip. a good one. That well, was I didn't know one. you wanted me to share it. <laughs> my father was asking as he was pulling the phone. He goes, it's radio. What are you going to do with a picture? Yeah. <laughs> well, things have changed. Fair tell point. Your, tell yeah. your father. All right, Bill McCasha. So the downside of all this climate change nonsense the good people of Hawaii, Maui in particular, Lehani uh, specifically, were let down uh, by these echo nuts who refused to invest in the things they needed to prevent fires from happening, number one. And number two, when the fire did happen, the guy in charge says he revered the water and he wasn't going to use it. That's insanity, right? We have to be prepared. These are regular people. These aren't the billionaires who have homes on that island. These are regular people. All of their property should be restored intact. It should not become a park. Uh, as one of the local leaders said, the, the government of Hawaii failed miserably. The local government on that in that city failed these people miserably. And it is a major downside of all this echo nut stuff that's going on. Every time I see a story like this, whether it's a, you know, in this case of wildfire, hurricanes, tornadoes, I realize how ill prepared we are to deal with any of this. Hurricane if about infrastructure's to hit California. A, yeah, infrastructure's a mess. 
People aren't properly trained in what to do, even though people are supposed to be the experts on it. And certainly the public, this desire to get right back into a fire zone because you want to go retrieve your Rolex watch seems a little bit out of touch to me. That reality is something I think Americans have to start facing. The climate it's not about you. is real. It's not about you. That, that's what upsets me. You All do right. seem upset. I do. Because that irritates we me. We can do something about that. We can invest in American energy. We and we are, and we're investing. Really? Yeah, I mean, the right. Inflation Reduction Act. Real Bill, quick. Bill's a big supporter of. <laughs> I assume both of you are going to watch the debate because we're going to talk about it next Friday. Yes. Yeah. So, what are you yes. going to be looking for, Joseph Pecky? The moments, right? What's going to go viral? It's not about the I think less than twenty million people who watch it. It's about who can, can carry on the conversation in the days and weeks ahead by generating a viral moment. Is that Ramaswamy? Is it Christie? Is it Tim Scott? You know, I think it'll be Christie or Scott. As based on my previous answer, but that's what I'll be looking for. What's the moment? Yeah, I think Joe's right about that. It's also about expectations. Expectations are high for guys like DeSantis. Does he meet those? Does he fail to meet those? And what does that do to his campaign? Is there somebody on the stage who's polling at 2%? Doug Burgum. Let's use him as an example, the governor. Burgumentum. It's coming. Does he come out of there? Does he have a moment, as Joe said? And that becomes a reason for GOP voters to take a second look. Is he a billionaire? Yep. Yes. He's tr- following the Trump model, then, right? Uh, did you get? By the way, we we made a joke about Barbie earlier. Has everybody around this table seen I not. Barbie I ha- I have and seen Oppenheimer? It, yeah, not, I have not seen Oppenheimer. I haven't, yet. I haven't I've seen, seen Barbie movie. Either. I was you I saw was... Barbie, but not Oppenheimer. I would not have had that on my bingo card. <laughs> See, I like how he judges me with his words. Did you catch that? <laughs> did you all catch that? What happened I there? It. Yeah, I listeners, it. back me up. You're surprised that Steve saw Barbie before Oppenheimer. It. My wife wanted to go see Barbie, so I said, "Let's go together." Good man. It may be the largest grossing movie ever. It's on course for that. Which, which is, having seen the movie, is not deserving. <laughs> it, does uh, does your wife now refer to, my husband's job is yell. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, 9.58 on this Friday. Now looking for Joe Zapecki replacements for the political power hour. Send your resume. Send your resume to WTMJ.com. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. Bill McCosh and Joe Zapecki. Uh, after the break... He's the top guy for Democrats of State. Ben Wickler will join us. And a serious topic, uh, the passing of Ada Deer, who is a legend in Native American circles. But not just that. As a Wisconsin you know, icon, we'll talk about that with him. And a lot more 